Greetings and welcome to the Net Positive Podcast. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and this episode of the Net Positive features a conversation with Johnny Weiss, He's the founder of Solar Energy International. He was the director for many years. He's worked throughout the United States and around the world promoting solar. Johnny, thank you for joining the Net Positive Podcast this afternoon. How are you? Great. I'm just great. It's good to be here. And, and I'm just talking to you. Are you in Peonia, Colorado, as we speak? Yep, on the western slope, Peonia, Colorado. Well, thanks again for joining this, uh, joining this podcast. And I wanted to start off, as I do with everybody, because it's just all these interesting characters that I'm interviewing. But I wanted to start off all the way back in your youth. And I, I, I think you're from the Boston area, Massachusetts. Is that right? Well, I like to say I'm from New England, but uh, I'm really kind of rounding up. I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in New York City, went to school in Massachusetts for a while. But uh, I came out to Colorado when I was just in my early 20s and haven't looked back that much. And what, what brought you out to Colorado? Well, I had a chance to build a house out here. Uh, I was in, in construction at the time, and, and I got an opportunity to be the construction foreman and build a house in Aspen, Colorado. And it was a real a real fun, fun, fun summer out here. And I decided I, I was also ready to drop out of college and become a contractor and live in Colorado. And that's what you did. Exactly. Unbelievable. Much to your parents' chagrin, I, I presume. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, I never <laughs> did complete my, my graduate uh, and undergraduate work, but um, I think it worked out pretty well overall. I would say so. Well, you, you have accomplished so much in your life. It's uh, it, it, very, very, very admirable. But, but we'll get to that. Um, so you built the house in Colorado. What was the, the genesis of, of Solar Energy International? It seems like you were, you were teaching at Colorado Mountain College. Right. Um, Solar Energy International, SEI, kind of grew, grew organically out of, uh, out of my career and out of the career of my associates, too. Uh, yeah, um, I started off as a solar builder and then got involved in teaching um, uh, and then uh, was able to get a, a position at the local community college back in the Jimmy Carter days. And, and that, that evolved after a decade of, of, of of teaching solar at the community college, we were able to kind of spin it off and start a start our own nonprofit and get going with the Solar Energy International (SEI). And then, and what was the original mission? Well, the mission, uh, the purpose of SEI hasn't changed all that much. It, it's to promote uh, training the global workforce in the practical applications of solar technology. And these days, it's really focused pretty much on, on photovoltaic technology. We started off doing solar thermal and other applications, but these days it's really evolved into, uh, into a PV training organization. It, it seems, uh, I want to talk about your international works, but it, your student population, if you had to characterize over all these years, would it be half international, half domestic, or, or am I off there? Well, I think the majority is still domestic, but um, we certainly have uh, had a lot of international participation. And SEI really has two two main focuses now. Um, it it 
It does hands-on nuts and bolts practical training, which is what it's noted for, particularly after 30 years now, but it also has a very robust online training program. And the online training program has enabled people to uh, very cost-effectively take solar energy classes and workshops and courses um, from all over the world at an affordable price. So, um, so now that there's uh, such a robust online presence, that has uh, brought in more people from all over the world. I think there's 141 countries that we've now uh, had, had, had participants from. That is really fantastic. A, a lot of that uh, impact was you laying a foundation over many, many years. And I, I was on your board uh, just for a few years uh, before the online courses took hold, and we were sort of envisioning that. But, but you guys were you guys were um, just values values based workers. You and Ken were just putting your heart and souls into this whole educational institute, and uh, you know, really uh, hardly taking any income. And it was just a, I, I give you tremendous credit for really putting blood, sweat, and tears into that organization. That. If you hadn't done that, it wouldn't be where it is today. Well, it really was a grassroots effort, but uh, things were different 30 years ago now. It's been, SEI is going to celebrate its 30th year. Um, you know, but um, like I say, it did evolve organically from being uh, uh, involved in community college education, having a chance to be a solar builder. Uh, and we put together a very great team of dedicated people early um, that just really helped us, uh, helped us get going and establish ourselves as a, as, a, as a training organization. And it really was a grassroots effort. And yeah, we had some tough years, but uh, things, have, things have matured and solar has gone mainstream and it's a whole different era now. And we're, we're just poised to uh, take it to a whole nother level. Tell me, tell me a favorite story from the early years. Oh, uh, a favorite story from the early years. Let me think. Well, well, maybe you can relate to this one too, Ted, being a, a Colorado boy yourself in many ways. Um, one of the things that got us going uh, in the community doing, doing, doing photovoltaics particularly was our work on the cross-country ski huts up in the up uh, between Aspen and Vail in the high country. There's a wonderful um, organization, the 10th Mountain Hut System. And uh, they were very interested in getting rid of uh, the dangerous uh, propane that they had uh, 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 powering lights and, uh, and uh, uh, emergency equipment up there. So we had a chance to work with the 10th Mountain Huts and install solar electric lighting systems, real simple DC lighting systems. But those systems uh, really got us going with photovoltaics. And we're talking now about the early 1980s. PV was very expensive and it was uh, really a, a very elite uh, uh, expensive technology. But to, but to be able to take students from all over the world, frankly, up to do uh, installations in the high country of Colorado was really a, a wonderful adventure for us. It got us uh, really doing some wonderful off-grid systems, and it and it it really helped launch SCI as a fun and exciting and adventurous place to learn about solar energy. I seem to remember llamas carrying the panels up to those <laughs> pictures. Yeah, yeah, that was a photo that went viral back in the old days. Uh, we we also learned that while the llamas would carry those small back then, we were talking about thirty watt modules, by the way, not three hundred watt modules. But uh, we also learned something about llamas, too, that they don't uh, like to carry heavy batteries. We had to lug the batteries ourselves, but the llamas got in the photo carrying the, carrying the PV. 
you know, Johnny, that when you mentioned the batteries, how, how, like when, you, when I think of SEI, I think largely what you've done in the developing world where largely off the grid system, so solar coupled with batteries, like you did for those huts, obviously the 10th Mountain Division huts, you obviously had solar and storage. What, what percentage of sort of SEI's focus has been off grid versus grid inter, you know, intera interacting with the grid? Is, or is it? Well, that's been a real evolution too. When we started back in what we now call the home power days, most of the participants that came to us to study were, were do-it-yourselfers, they were homeowners, they were folks that wanted to live off-grid or were already living off-grid. Um, they came to us by way of Home Power magazine, and uh, some of them were preppers, but they were basically individuals that were looking at using photovoltaic technology themselves. And it was very much an off-grid, standalone sort of market. So we started with batteries way back when. Uh, but then there's been quite an evolution, too. There were a bunch of years where uh, we were encouraged to just drop the batteries from the curriculum completely. Let's go to, you know, grid direct systems. Uh, we had uh, we had participants come that were starting their own solar businesses and they weren't interested at all in batteries. They wanted to know how to do good, good direct systems. Uh, and 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 that was uh, uh, quite a few years of that. But now the the whole pendulum is swinging back the other way. And now energy storage is, uh, is just a critical part of the big picture. And we're back to batteries again. And now we're into a whole new generation of batteries and a very exciting time for the whole technology is, as you and your, your listeners well know. Yeah, maybe the llamas would carry the lithium ion batteries. So they're, they're, uh, batteries Good point. Good point. As <laughs> long as they didn't let them get too hot or overcharged, we'd be just fine. So then how did, did SEI do the international work or was that Johnny Weiss as an independent consultant or you had all these students obviously that came in from all over the world. I mean, you had amazing classes. And then I presume well, some of them asked you to come and help them with projects in their own countries. Yes, the international thing started, um, well, and it was very presumptuous, frankly, to call ourselves a solar energy international. Um, uh, it, it was quite presumptive, but, but, but we were excited about it. And we were excited about it particularly because we got a chance to work with the Pan American Health Organization just, just in, the, in the last years of the, of, the, of the 80s. This organization, PAHO, Pan American Health Organization, called us up and they said that they needed some, some trainers, some solar teachers to uh, help them understand how to integrate solar into the, into the cold chain to keep vaccines cold in remote areas for, for, uh, for at, at remote health clinics and dispensaries. And they said they didn't want professors that were gonna talk to them about how the PN junction worked and the various efficiencies of different modules. They really wanted to know how do we hook this stuff up? How do we get it to work in the real world? How do we train refrigeration technicians who are experts on refrigeration? How do we get them to be able to install, operate and maintain and troubleshoot solar solar powered refrigeration systems. So that was an opportunity, one of the first opportunities we really had to take a look at the whole international side of things. And that was in the late 1980s. And uh, all of us, uh, Ken Olson, my co-instructor and, uh, and Steve McCarney, we all had a chance to go to Latin, Latin America, Central America, South America, and spend some time training, uh, training refrigeration technicians for the Pan American Health Organization in, in how to design and troubleshoot and maintain, you know, 
vaccine refrigerators in, in the developing world. And that really opened our eyes to the opportunities and to the fun, frankly. That was really a, a, a uh, opened our eyes to say that, gee, we can get involved in some really exciting stuff and do some important work that really is going to make a difference in the world. And this whole PV technology makes a lot of sense. And uh, here we are being asked to do what we really love to do. And it did have an international component that was integral to it. So that's when we decided, why not? Let's, uh, let's, in let's include international in our dreams as well. And, uh, and, and, and from that experience, we just went on and and, and, and we're able to take advantage of other, other opportunities that came by as well. When I think about you going off and, and helping to develop these systems in, develop, in the developing world, I'm, I'm just in, in, in awe of it because it, it seems to me that you'd have, you're, you're a nuts and bolts guy. You, you, they want you to be able to hook something up and for it to work. And so it seems like you've got to have all your parts organized you, know, you can't just have the thought right and the, the concept yeah. here you have to have all your parts all your tools in order to get a job to work and there must be tremendous logistic challenges in doing that in foreign countries absolutely and those challenges remain today the work we're doing overseas um is is a perfect example of that but now we're uh, not just uh, you know, working on particular systems. Now the challenge is to help develop training centers overseas. And, and we're doing that uh, overseas at, as well as in North America here. You know, developing training centers is really the way we're gonna be able to really move forward and have an, have an impact on climate change and be able to, uh, to really address the serious issues. We're looking at uh, really going to a scale and having a larger impact than ever before. So the development of training centers has all of those logistics uh, as well. issues uh, times, uh, times a thousand. I was looking on your website and it sounds like you've worked in over 30 countries helping to develop systems and you've also worked with, with the tribes uh, here, the Native American tribes here in America. Can you talk a little bit about that, this Maasai project in Tanzania where it sounds like you're doing a solar, or you did, I don't know what year this was, but a solar powered radio station. Well, we're still working on that. Things take a, take a while to develop, but, uh, but uh, we are working with um, Lucas Koriangi, who is a Maasai community leader, and he's an alumni from SEI back in 1997. 25 years ago, he got sponsored to come by a, by a friend of mine. We gave him a scholarship. He returned to his Maasai community and, and has been doing solar work ever since. Real small scale, off-grid systems, teaching people. Now he's starting a, a grassroots solar training center in the village of Orkesmet, which is an off-grid remote village where we're slowly developing um, a demonstration and training center, which is gonna help Maasai youth in terms of employment and is gonna make a real difference in these communities. These are folks that are living, uh, living in the dirt and in the dark and a little bit of uh, solar power goes a long way. Uh, charging cell phones is now a very important part of, uh, of what we need to do as well. Lighting systems, cell phone charging. And Lucas is a community organizer that, that's working with grassroots groups over there in the Maasai community of the Simanjaro district of, uh, of, of, of Tanzania, East Africa. And we've been able to continue to work with him and with his associates. And basically we're doing capacity building. We're trying to develop a training center there that'll service um, the local community uh, and provide jobs and training uh, for, uh, for his students as well. So we're trying to clone SEI in a very different sort of way.
and that's exciting work. And that's proceeding, uh, uh, even though the, there's certain challenges and I haven't been able to travel there recently because of COVID, but that's an ongoing project. And uh, like I say, Lucas was a student from 24 years ago. So working with uh, that particular uh, alumnus has been a real pleasure. And it's been a, a challenge, but a wonderful experience. And there's opportunity for people to get involved in that too. These folks need a lot of help from a lot of different directions. But the Tanzanian Renewable Energy Association, you know, is recognizing these grassroots efforts. And we're trying to connect the dots over there. There's a Arusha Technical College, which is starting to offer solar training classes. So one thing we're trying to do is uh, strengthen and expand the existing infrastructure. It's not a question of uh, franchising our services. It's a question of finding out where these folks are at and how we can actually help them with their goals and their needs in their particular communities. So it's really about capacity building for solar in the developing world. What got me started in Africa was the organization called We Care Solar. We Care Solar is based out of Berkeley, California, and they're focused on doing um, lighting systems and uh, systems that provide medical electrical services at remote rural health clinics. We Care Solar is, is, is providing um, energy and lighting beyond the last mile. This is an organization that uh, invited me to do some training years ago and helped me get excited about doing this work in in Africa as well. And they're having a huge impact all over the world. We Care Solar is doing thousands and thousands of systems and they're all going for maternal health care. That's their focus and, and uh, they've got a wonderful package and I'm indebted to them for, for getting me uh, so excited about working in rural communities in Africa. It's good stuff. And you, you mentioned these people living in the dirt and the dark. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I visited Kenya a couple of years ago and in the Masamara and, and wow, I, I, so I have a little bit of a sense of what you're talking about when you say the dirt and the dark, but I guess the, uh, so nicely well characterized, but it must also be so rewarding when you bring light, when the, when the lights come on and well, uh, it, it, the gratitude that they must give you, uh, and, it's, it's, it's very rewarding. And these are folks that are very, very grateful to have that sort of help. And uh, a little bit goes a long way. And it's been, it has been very rewarding work. It's wonderful when, uh, when the Maasai women's group um, that gets to install solar systems in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in a woman's cooperative house there, you know, when they want to uh, reward me by giving me a cow Cows are very special throughout the whole Maasai culture. And I explained that, uh, you know, I'm, I was very grateful they wanted to give me such an important gift. But un unless they had a cow that could fly, I couldn't take it with me. So they enjoyed the, they enjoyed the, uh, the story that perhaps uh, if they could come up with a flying cow, that would be a, a more appropriate gift. But um, it's very rewarding work. It's uh, it. it it truly is very special when you turn the lights on for people that have never experienced that before. It, uh, it changes lives and things like pumping water. So much energy is spent by women and children all over the world. It sounds like a cliche, but it's true. There's so much human energy that goes into doing simple things like moving, moving water and gathering firewood and things like this. And there's, you know, one and a half billion people on the, on the earth that are living that way. And to, and to have a little bit of impact there and to create some models that others, others can use. Uh, it truly is rewarding work. It's a lot of fun too. It's, it's a great adventure driving around uh, 
driving around the bumpy African roads with a bunch of solar technicians repairing and installing solar systems is, uh, is, uh, is a whole hell of a lot of fun. And then talk, if you would, just about your work with the Native Americans. Well, that's really exciting these days. You know, uh, another SEI alumni from over 15 years ago is Henry Redcloud. And Henry Redcloud is the direct uh, fifth descendant generation from Chief Henry Redcloud of the, of the Lakota Sioux, one of the great warriors and one of the great Indian peacemakers on the Northern Great Plains, uh, you know, 150 years ago. And Henry and his family, his Teoshpaye, they call it, it's the extended family group up there, um, has started a, a training center and we're helping with capacity building there. It's the Red Cloud Renewable Energy Center, RICRAC. And it's been around for a decade now, but it's now gathering some real momentum. And we hope that uh, with the federal administration and the encouraging Green New Deal that's happening, we hope that uh, some of it will indeed trickle down to our Native American associates and we'll be able to take that, take that training center to another, another level. But up on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, which is, uh, which is frankly a desperate uh, uh, a desperate and tragic place in many ways. It's a, it's a, it's a hard life on the, on the Pine Ridge Res, but to having a solar training center there that's helping educate youth from, from all over the Northern Great Plains. Henry and his associates are connected with uh, 37 different tribes. Uh, there's 574 tribes in North America, and uh, Henry Redcloud is, uh, is, uh, is, is a leader and connected with uh, so many of them. So we're bringing tribes in from all around the Northern Great Plains to study. It's a small program. We get a dozen students at a time, but, but this summer, the solar training has cranked up there again. We're doing workshops uh, this month and last month as well, and we're actually training people that are going mainstream. After completing several several workshops and training sessions up there, um, they now qualify to sit for the NABCEP, the North American Board of Certified Energy Practitioners, the mainstream organization that provides a third-party certification. So to get Native Americans on that track to become professional trainers um, and, and, and professional installers and entrepreneurs in the whole solar world, is also very exciting and, and rewarding work. And right now we feel that, that working with Native Americans and working with Henry up there has a, has a lot of momentum too. It's been a lurchy process to get training centers like that going, but uh, this is really a model one. And we think it's gonna, gonna really make a difference to a lot of lives across the, across the Northern Great Plains. Some of those participants are gonna go on to be solar trainers. Some are gonna go back to their communities and be solar advocates to help educate their, their community leaders, uh, the tribal officials, and let folks know about the opportunity that solar energy presents. Many of them will also become hopefully entrepreneurs and start small solar installing dealership businesses, installing dealers on their various reservations. So we're hoping to get some multiplier effect as things move forward. Ted, it's a lot like a uh, 25, 30 years ago, though, uh, on the res, we're going back in time, we're doing small systems, we're focused on standalone systems, doing systems that are going to give elders that are living off grid, lights and power for the first time. Things like water pumping are very important there, too. And it's, uh, like I say, it's like 20, 20 or 30 years ago in terms of starting solar industries, solar businesses, 
helping entrepreneurs get started with the, with the design and installation of uh, small-scale systems. And there's also the opportunity to do large-scale megawatt systems on these reservations, too. And the reservations are blessed with a lot of sun and a lot of wind power, too, frankly. So uh, I think we're going to see uh, renewable energies get more and more developed uh, on various reservations across the country. And the opportunity that Henry's providing people up at Pine Ridge, www.redcloudrenewable.org, redcloudrenewable.org will get people up to speed on what's going on up there. And there's lots of opportunities to volunteer and to do all kinds of work for folks that want to have that cross-cultural experience and also have a chance to uh, help to help develop a, a solar training center on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. And what state is that in, John? Oh, that's South Dakota. That's the southwest corner of South Dakota, just south of the Black Hills. It's incredible to hear your stories and, and to, to realize that you've done such grassroots work, but then the leverage uh, when you educate, when you train, when you, when you create this generation of advocates that are out there in, on the reservations or in their countries in Africa or whatnot, the, the leverage is just, is just absolutely fantastic. Talk about um, SEI today. You were you and Ken founded it well, 30 years ago, and you were the director, and you, were, you and Ken were SEI. He, he went off, I think, to South America for a while, and you were leading it, and then, and then you, went off, you, you went off on your own for a while, and, and it sounds like uh, you're back. You're on the board, uh, you're engaged, and you can now be uh, just hugely, hugely proud of, what, of what's going on and, and, and a great champion of SEI. Well, that's a real special opportunity, which, I, which I'm thankful for and I acknowledge for, to be uh, retired from the day-to-day -day activity there for nearly a decade now, but still have a chance. SEI, uh, I was on the committee to help select a new executive director, and we've got some wonderful process going on in revising and updating the, the strategic plan for SEI. And to have that opportunity after 30 years to be able to offer that perspective and to still be involved, not as a, not as a decision maker, but as an advisor, as a consultant, and to, uh, and to be involved in the organization is a, is a real blessing for me personally. But uh, SEI developed a great team of people over the years, a very dedicated bunch of people, some of whom you know, some have gone on back to work. Lori Stone has been working with the with the Rocky Mountain Institute, which is part of your, your roots, of course, too. But uh, we've had some great, uh, great participation over the years. And it's really, a, like I say, a pleasure to be able to stay involved, uh, even in my, uh, quote, retirement years. I get to focus on the charitable and outreach programs now. And, and uh, being a board member, uh, I can really uh, work on the projects that have come to mean so much to me. That's really, that's really, really fantastic. And I ask this of all people that I interview for this podcast uh, uh, about their, their a little bit about their non-work life and their and so their work-life balance and, and what, mm -hmm. what I, you you and I have both had just so such incredibly fulfilling careers. Uh, I love what I do. You love what you do. That's been hugely fulfilling. But how do you get how do you get balance? What are some of the things that you do to uh, unwind to maintain your creativity, maintain your energies? Well, the other whole part besides, uh, besides our work life, I've had a wonderful family life over the years, too. I've got two 30-year-old sons now uh, who are on their own, but um, uh, getting to spend time with them, uh, 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 particularly this last COVID year, has been, uh, 
has been fun as well. So uh, I think I think I think family has added some real balance to me too. But I've got some wonderful recreational habits too. I'm a I'm a kind of an amateur uh, fly fisherman, so I like to get out into the rivers, uh, and that helps me balance a little bit too. Gets me outdoors. I've also got a, a, a love for a, being a, a dog owner. I've got a new uh, one-year-old dog right now that uh, is getting me out out quite a bit. So, uh, you know, uh, I love having a dog as a pet and as a companion. And I think it adds uh, adds some balance and some fun to my life uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a balance, but uh, I've always enjoyed the work. I've always had trouble, frankly, with the boundaries between work and family and play, but, um, Overall, I think it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, I would say so. You're going strong, and you know, congratulations on your and all you have accomplished. This is not like not like the end, but I, all that you have accomplished is very, very impressive to me and and to uh, others. So I, I I congratulate you, and I think um, you must be able to sleep well at night knowing that you've made just this huge contribution to to sustainable energy and improving the quality of life for so many people. That's well, that's been, a, that's been a real treat, of course. But, you know, right now, I think we're really poised. And I'm delighted that SEI is ready to expand, frankly, on a level, Ted, that I never imagined. You know, um, I mean, I'm on record at a, at, a, at a retreat that we had, a staff retreat and board retreat years ago, as saying that when SEI got to uh, several million dollars and had a, had a few campuses around the world, and, and, and when there was 50 employees, and I... I I didn't know anybody's name anymore. That was that was truly the extent of my vision. But right now, having lived long enough uh, and, and be able to see that now SEI and the whole solar industry, it's not just SEI, but we are poised that it's a remarkable time in history for solar energy, for photovoltaics, for this technology, for all of us. And I'm glad I've lived long enough to experience it, but uh, you know, we can we can enjoy the accomplishments we've had, but the but the task ahead of us is formidable. And I think that um, uh, you know, SEI's goal is to is to train, uh, you know, uh, millions of people to, to be able to, uh, well, help train millions of people and help other organizations train people to really deal with the tremendous climate emergency we have. We're going to need a lot of, uh, of trained photovoltaic technicians to, uh, to just begin to uh, address uh, the climate emergency we've got. So, so I don't know, it's fun to think about the old days and, and, the, and the times we've had, but uh, we're up for some tremendous challenges ahead. And I think that uh, the technology, it's a, it's a perfect storm right now. You know, we've got the technology we need. We've got the, we've got the impetus to do it. I think we're going to get some support uh, at the national level, I hope, soon. There's certainly a new international breeze blowing that uh, I'm very encouraged. And I think that uh, solar energy is going to play a, play a key role in being able to move us forward. And it's just uh, delighted to be uh, able to be a small part of that whole movement. And it really is a movement. And it is a very exciting time right now. Uh, you, couldn't, you couldn't put it any better. I'm encouraged also. I agree we have a huge challenge, a formidable challenge. So I, as I like to say to everybody, take your vitamins. We're going to need every last bit of strength that we've got to accomplish this. Uh, Absolutely. This it's a challenge, but I'm encouraged these days. I'm, I'm hopeful. I think that uh, I think we've got uh, part of the solution. It's not the, it's not the only thing, but uh, I think uh, I think solar energy is going to uh, going to be a, a big part of what we need to do moving forward. Hey, listen, thanks for being part of the net positive. 
It's a pleasure. That's it. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of The Net Positive. We'll see you next time.